As it turns out, something big really was going on during November, as we had suspected, because if you remember, the U.S. Treasury yield curve, euro dollar futures, and others, other market indications had all said something was going on during the month of November. Now, more specifically, in the Treasury market, it was late October till around mid-December. Before we got to that point, the U.S. Treasury curve in particular, that had first inverted way back in March, a little bit down the curve, and then it went in and out of inversion, spread a little bit, and then took a noticeable turn around mid-June into July. By the time we got to mid, uh, mid to late October, the two-year tenure spread, which is one that most people watch for various reasons, that had been, you know, minus 30, minus 40s in some days, so pretty substantially inverted. By the time we get to early December, early to mid-December, suddenly that part of the curve is 70 to 80 basis points inverted. Maybe the bigger one. You had the three-month 10-year spread, which flattened out to zero in that curve, curve uh, acceleration in June and July, and it stayed modestly uh, positive, that spread, modestly three-month 10-year spread, po modestly positive up until late October. Then it turned negative, and by the time we got to mid-December, mid it was minus 90 basis points at one time. So massive change, massive acceleration inversion during November. Now, sentiment surveys, these surveys from like S&P Global or the various regional Fed manufacturing uh, estimates had said something is going on. And we know what that something is. It's the inventory cycle, the bullwhip effect, finally finally and more seriously reversing. And just today, we got advanced estimates for the month of November from the folks at the Census Bureau on things like inventory, wholesale and retail trade inventories, as well as U.S. exports, and most importantly, U.S. imports. According to census or advanced estimates for the month of November, U.S. imports fell by 7.6%. That's not a year-over-year -year thing. That's from October. Seasonally adjusted, not accounting for prices, 7.6% plunge in November. How big is that? Well, we'll put that into context and what all this other stuff means in just a moment. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, if you go to Markets Insider Pro right now, we still have an end-of-year sale going on. There's a, it's a bundle with my deep dive or my daily briefing analysis, along with Stephen Van Meter's Momentum Timer Pro, Tracy Shukart's Energy and Materials Weekly. Get all of those three things together from one low, low price, marketsinsiderpro.com. If you're interested in the more the Eurodollar University centered stuff, memberships at eurodollar.university, along with my daily deep dive analysis, where we take a real serious look at inventory cycles, the monetary market implications, as well as the longer run consequences to everything that we talk about on these shows. All the information available, eurodollar.university. Now again, going back to quite some time, really again, March and then June, July and August, the summertime, these various sentiment surveys, particularly the regional Fed surveys, which had seemed to pick up on this shift in the inventory cycle, even before the S&P Global's national, uh, or the ISM too, 
the the major national ones uh, came along much later. And today we got the Dallas Fed Texas Regional uh, Texas Regional Manufacturing Survey. That composite fell to minus 18.8, which is really in the same low territory that it's been for several months, which have been screaming about a shift in the inventory cycle. What was the inventory cycle? Well, very briefly, it was inflation. It was the thing that became, that became the CPIs. You had companies that responded to rising levels of demand, demand that was artificially and temporarily boosted by, by Uncle Sam's helicopter drops, the transfer of borrowed cash into uh, U.S. citizens' accounts, which they then, because many people were still restricted voluntarily or otherwise from moving around, they said, well, I'm going to go on Amazon.com and buy a bunch of stuff from that's made from around the world. So we had an import global wave of demand rebounding much quicker than the ability of the supply either here or around the rest of the world to meet that demand. Classic supply shock stuff. And because the goods were primarily made at the margins around the rest of the world, that stressed and strained the supply chains because you had to move goods that were being made from China, didn't lock down, through the, the primarily the West Coast port terminals, which were artificially constrained, them, constrained themselves inability to service all the goods going on. And it just led to one self-reinforcing vicious cycle after another, after another. Container prices shot up. Shipping rates uh, went up with container prices. Goods prices went up as demand went up faster than supply. There was your quote-unquote inflation. And companies, especially in the United States, retailers and wholesalers, responded in particular to those supply issues by over-ordering on purpose. They ordered and over-ordered and triple-ordered and quadruple-ordered and quintupled-ordered in 2021 simply to make sure that they had good, any goods on hand to take advantage of what they were absolutely positive was a permanent plateau of prosperity. Just order the stuff. Don't care how much you order. We should be able to easily sell it in 2022. But as we know, 2022 turned out to be a very different and challenging global consumer environment. Thank you to oil prices. Again, a supply shock, lack of production rather than anything else. So we had consumer demand begin to tail off when? Well, in March, but then really again around June and July. And companies then... All of a sudden, May, June, July, you start hearing from Target and Walmart and all these retailers who say, hold on here. We weren't expecting this. We we're expecting robust demand all the way. But suddenly, we've now got too much inventory. And we didn't hear it so much from overseas because we don't really hear it from Chinese producers because we never hear from Chinese producers. But there began, there, the inventory cycle began to eat away from the global trade dynamic, global goods explosion that had happened in 2021. Specifically, U.S. imports began to drop. They dropped, they, they dropped quite sharply in April, but that was after rising by an epic amount in March. 
And ever since then, we had another big drop in July and August, which were down 2.9% month over month and 1.6% month over month, respectively. So pretty substantial declines in, in, uh, in imports in July and August as companies started to say, hold up on the goods. Maybe we need to rethink these things. But then we get to October, September and October, a little bit of a rebound and just a modest rebound in inventory as we get ahead of the Christmas season. But then November, this massive, massive 7.6% month over month drop from October. Now, imports are still at a relatively high level, but it's the direction that we're moving in and the speed at which we are seem to be getting there. Because 7.6 month over month, you don't see anything like that except, you know, comparative comparison wise, you have to go back to April of 2020 when most of those ports were shut down or perhaps January and February of 2015. Uh, in those two months together, you had about a 7% drop in imports because there was a labor dispute on the West Coast of uh, West, Coast, West Coast ports in particular. Before that, you got to go back to December 2008 and January 2000. Not very good macroeconomic months in the United States or anywhere around the world. Both of those months, each 7% declines. That's the level of decline we're looking at U.S. imports into the United States during the month of November when markets told you in real time something was going on. And that's something also extended to the export side which we got a small drop in exports, a smaller, it's a pretty substantial drop in exports, but smaller compared to imports, which means the rest of the world is beginning to suffer. The, the reversal of this over, this inventory cycle, this confusing CPIs for global economic sustainability. And we're also seeing the same thing happen in, in, in inventories themselves. Retailer inventories, which was a part of the Census Bureau's advanced, advanced estimates for the month of November. So we got inventory numbers, we got import and export numbers, wholesaler inventory, retailer inventory. And I think the story here is, of course, retailer inventory. Retailer inventories during the month of November were up slightly, but that was including motor vehicles. And remember, motor vehicles have been one of the segments of the economy where inventories have been impossible to get because of the supply shock production problems and whatever. So the inventories in motor vehicles are coming up just as the rest of the across the retail segment inventories across that are beginning to drop. So inventories excluding motor vehicles fell by 3% or excuse me 0.3% month over month, which doesn't sound like a lot but retail inventories don't really decline all that often. And they certainly don't decline one month after a month and after, after another, after another, after another. This is actually the third consecutive month of retail X motor vehicle inventory declines. It was 0.9% in December revised, minus 0.7% in October and 0.3% in November. So three straight months where you have almost a 2% decline in retail inventories, which like in that uh, the November import number, this is not something you see outside of time periods like 2020 or 2008, 2009. Not even the early part of the Great Recession. Retailer inventories were volatile, but mostly rising 
up until around that whole thing with Lehman Brothers and AIG. And it's not just these, we're, this, this hard data is finally catching up to what, first of all, the market said was going on in real time. And then of course the sentiment or the soft data surveys had suggested were starting to take place underneath the surface, along with what we've heard from the corporate sector. Companies all along for, for quite so many months have been saying, we've got way too much inventory. Consumer spending is beginning to soften and we're not really sure what's going on with, with, with demand overall. Therefore, revenue margin pressures, costs and uh, costs of input costs and everything else were really impacting cons uh, corporate outlooks. Uh, again, just this week, we got more, more, any number of companies reporting earnings saying the same thing. We need to manage our costs for the uncertain consumer environment as well as bloated inventories. We had a, an article from the Wall Street Journal just today uh, talking about the chip sector, which is something I've talked about before. One of the most representative uh, industries for the supply shock itself. Remember, we went from massive, ultra, ultra harmful shortage of of, or com of computer chips, electronic equipment, that kind of thing, which held back supply globally, a massive de deficit. Now all of a sudden we've got way, way too many of these things. Uh, from the Wall Street Journal, the world is now awash in chips. The oversupply, uh, the oversupply marks a sharp turnaround from a global shortage during two years of supercharged demand. Consumer appetite for electronics has weakened against the backdrop of rising interest rates. Nope. A falling stock market, not really, and recession fears. Not really in the recession fears, though, is it? Chip inventories are swelling, mirroring what is happening in the wider economy where retailers are stuck with goods on their shelves and producers of a range of products in high demand early in the pandemic now face a glut. CPIs were never the economy. They represented a transitory supply shock that is now causing all sorts of harmful negative effects throughout the global economy. You know, in the chip sector, Micron Tech, we've talked about them before. There's the CEO of that company just recently said, Micron's strong technology manufacturing and financial position put us on solid footing to navigate the near-term environment. And we are taking decisive actions to cut our supply and expenses. We expect improving customer inventories to enable high, higher revenue in the second half and deliver it, blah, 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 blah. In other words, Micron announced axing 10% of the company's workforce because CPIs were not the economy. Companies bought into the hype over the 2020 and 2021 supply shock as if it represented, using Irvin Fisher's infamous last words, a, high, a permanently high plateau of prosperity. Now we're seeing the downside of that happen and happen more and more quickly. The data is catching up to where the markets were and the markets have been consistently picturing ahead of us more and more ugly. The inventory cycle has turned. It is moving into the aggressive, the bullwhip effect that is whipping back in toward our faces aggressively companies cost cutting, companies cutting orders, cutting inventory, cutting, cutting, cutting. 
The implications are more directly in consumer prices, which we've already seen come down. The, the rate of increase in consumer prices has come down. In some places, actual prices might fall again. And the overall economy, unfortunately, suffers from the same effect. So where prices are falling, it's not because the economy is normalizing, it's because we're, we're suffering the recessionary down cycle to the what was always a supply shock and not inflation. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you as always for joining me, as well as a huge thank you to Eurodollar University members. If you're interested in membership behind exclusive, uh, exclusive videos and content, it's eurodollar.university, as well as research subscriptions, all the information available there. Until next time, take care.